Ninja almost fell down the mountain. I almost fell down. Everyone almost fell down. <laughs> I don't so, laugh, so they're like, okay, guys, we can't go because everyone's tripping balls. So we have to go back. This, this sounds like it can't be real. You know, this is like, it's such a... I know, it's shocking. It's shocking, bro. <laughs> What's up, everyone? I hope you're all doing well. This week, I've got another crazy episode for you. I recently went to Joburg to interview someone called Gabriel Dupreez. He's also known as Toki. Toki lives in Fitas, which is a low-income suburb in Johannesburg. In 2010, he was introduced to one of South Africa's most successful music groups, Dianfoot, by filmmaker Ben J. Crossman. He was adopted by Yolandi Fissa and Ninja when he was nine years old, along with his younger sister, Macy. Their older brother was not adopted and remained in Fitas with his mother. Toki suffers from hypohydrotic ectodermal dysplasia. This disorder results in the abnormal development of structures including the skin, hair, nails, teeth, and sweat glands. This is what gives him his unique appearance. Toki believes that Dianfoot adopted him solely because of the way he looks and that it was all part of their image. After spending many years with the musical group and appearing in some of their most successful music videos titled I Think You Freaky and Ugly Boy, Toki has been completely cut off and is now living back in Fetus with his older brother. His sister remains in their custody. He has recently come out with claims of child abuse against his foster parents. Some of those claims are exposure to pornography, violence, and rituals. There is so much to cover, and we're going to get through all of it in this podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Wide Awake Podcast. My name is Josh, and today I have an absolutely incredible guest, as always. I have flown all the way to Johannesburg to interview Gabriel Dupreez also known as Toki. Can you tell us where you grew up? I grew up in Fitas, in Fredadorp, my hometown in Johannesburg. Um, it's quite a nice area if you get to know the people and the people knows you. But it's a quite poor town. Like it's like everyone in there suffers, so we help each other. Everyone helps each other to get where you want to be in life. And do you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have two brothers and one sister. And, um, I mean, what was your life like before you met Dianne Fort? It was all right. It was amazing, actually, to be honest. But it was a little bit of suffering and that, but I never could have complained about a plate of food on, my, on the table or anything like that. It was a kind of, like, a right life. And then I met Ninja and him, and then like everything just changed. It was like, okay, now I have to be this like rich boy, like almost like a rich boy wherever I go. And like, oh, you took it from the Anwar. And I'm like, yeah, what must I say? So that kind of became your identity. Yeah. Um, and I mean, did you have any hobbies or things that you enjoyed doing? Yeah, I enjoyed bowling stuff. I enjoyed making things. I enjoyed acting. I wanted to become a model also. But yeah. Um, I mostly like bowling stuff and all that, but yeah. So you were good with your hands? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and can you tell me how you met Ninja and Yolandi? I met him actually on the way from school. And then they asked me, do I want to be in a video? And I also met him through Benji Crossman. So um, we first made a video with Benji Crossman and then Benji Crossman showed the word about the, the video. It's a few shots he took and the short film we made. And that short film was named The Devil Boys. So we were doing some acting in that. 
and then they started getting other producers came there making movies. Um, so that movie's name was called Triumph. So I also did like a little acting, like a two scene there, and my mom also acted in the movie. So yeah, that was like the acting we did, and then I did that. I think you freaky video with mm. Ninja. In it. So you met this filmmaker Benji. Yeah. And um, were you were you getting any kind of modeling jobs or acting jobs before you met him and Ninja Yolandi? No. Nothing. Nothing. And um, can you tell me? When you met them, what was that experience like? It was nice meeting Ben. He was very friendly and all that. Like, he was the first person I actually met. He wanted to meet my mom and him, and I took him to meet my mom. And then he asked my mom if he can take some photos. He asked permission and all that. Then, yeah, um, my mother started liking him and all that. Then he introduced me to the Anwar. Like, he introduced me to them. They made videos of me, took photos of me. They said they like me. They think I'm unique and all that. But then I have friends and like families that said, no, the people are just going to use you because of the way you look and all that. So mm -hmm. I was like, guys, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for my mom because she wants a better life for me. So I'm going to go for it. So I went for it to keep her happy. And I mean, I want to know when... Ninja and Yolandi, when they first met you, did you film the music videos before they adopted you? I was, no, I was actually in just that one video of Penj Crossman and then I was in the other videos of the movie I was making in Triumph. So, so when did they officially adopt you? After they made I Think You Freaky. So you appeared in the music videos titled I Think You Freaky and Ugly Boy. Yeah. And I think there was a few others as well, right? Yeah. Um, and this is why I'm hot also. <laughs> Um, Ugly Boy has 189 million views on YouTube alone and has yeah. cameos from celebrities such as Jack Black, Marilyn Manson, Flea and Cara Delevingne. I mean, these are incredibly famous people. You know, this is not a small yeah. music video. This is a high-budget production. Exactly. Um, I think You Freaky now has over 177 million views. I mean, did you receive any payment for your appearances in these music videos? Nope. Nothing? Nothing. And your family? I'm not sure about it for my family, but unfortunately, I don't know. But as far as I know, they didn't actually get anything. Which is like, for me, it's mind-blowing, you know, yeah. because they're probably one of the most successful acts in South Africa. Yeah, and most of it I heard from my friends and family, they said that the, all the videos that I was actually in, I was supposed to get a, a piece of every, like everyone who watched it and whatever, I was supposed to get money. Doesn't matter if I'm not even with them anymore. I was supposed to get paid from wherever like or royalties. Every, like royalties, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you would think that, especially because they wanted to adopt you, you would think they would set up some sort of a trust fund or something, you know, even yeah, if they didn't give you all nice. the money right exactly. away. You, you were so young, maybe put some away for your future. Yeah. Um, so can you tell me how did they go about adopting you? And did they adopt just you or your brothers and sisters as well? Only they adopted me first, and then they until the door, then they adopted my sister, and then they don't want to adopt my older brother. My brother is just three, four years older than me. They don't want to adopt him and all that, so they just adopted me and my brother, like me and my sister. That's it. And they pushed my brother to the side. They're like, yeah, he has to stay in the ghetto. He has to be on his own, and that really messed him up because now we're trying to fix our relationship. 
because I also stabbed him because of all that. Yeah, and I want to actually talk about that a little bit later. But, I mean, do you think they adopted you purely just because of the way you looked? Yeah. That was the only reason? I think that's the only reason like you they adopted were me. an accessory? Yeah. And, I mean, so they adopted you. And how did your, your parents feel about this? They thought I'm going to have a better life for me. Like, they said I have to go to have a better life, better living situation. I could go and be who I want. So I was like, okay, my mom said I must go do it. So I went to go do it. And like in every adopted papers and all that, that they actually did, um, my father was classified as dead, but he's actually still alive. So my, it's like my mother knew there was something wrong and there's going to be something happening like this, so I don't know. Was it a legal adoption or was it more of a, a foster care kind of situation? It was like, a, like I, had to, I have the papers and all that. Like I have a copy of the papers on my phone that I got sent to my phone. Um, it's like a foster agreement papers that they had with my mom and him. And, but the handwriting of my mom's signature on the papers is not my mother's signature on the papers. So they falsified the signature? I think so, yeah, because it's not my mom's signature at all. And I mean, I actually saw those papers. Um, it's not my mom's signature on their papers. And I, I saw that like part of the agreement was that you would go to school and yeah. you would be taken care of and treated, you know, as a kid should be treated. There was a whole bunch of things. Yeah, exactly. There was a whole bunch of things listed in the foster care papers. Even as they say, I'm not allowed to see my mom during the week, only on weekends. So, like, the one time I, I wanted to see my mom, they're like, yeah, you're not allowed to go. If you go, you're going to get kicked out of the house. So I had to stay there. I was like, okay, if this is what you guys want. And some weekends, I'm not even allowed to go to see my parents. They're like, yeah, you can't go. I don't, we don't have time for petrol. We don't have this to go there. I'm like, okay. Then they, got my, then they got me a bicycle. So I had to drive an hour and a half for the bicycle with my condition with like a bottle of water all the way uphill to my house and back. To go see your parents? To go see my parents. And I, then I have to be back before five. And I mean, with your condition, that must have been like torture. Yeah, it was hot. I got, got hot. I had to wet my T-shirt wherever I could see someone having a gardener or whatever, wetting the flowers outside. Be like, hey, can I please have some water or whatever? And then they give me some water to drink. With myself, and the people think like, hey, look at this guy, he's crazy, he's waiting, he's sticking his t-shirt all, waiting it. But I have to. You have to do it. I yeah. have to do it to survive. Even I told him, now I have to do it. And I mean, I think the fact that like you're saying they made it so hard for you to see your mom and you know your brothers yeah. and your family, that's all part of like the separation thing, the grooming thing, yeah. where it's like you want to, they want to make you feel. This is just my kind of thoughts on this is like they want to make you feel alone or away yeah, they from they want me to feel alone like now here I am now as old as I am like I literally have no one on my side like there's no family members that's even kids they don't always come by my house anymore like they don't always come and say hey whatever like they used to like they all like okay it's you it's your brother it's your sister my sister's good way she is good off way she is but me and my brother, like, they don't always come visit me and my brother anymore. Like, no one comes, they visit, they say, hey, 
whatever. It's only my older brother, my sister, and them, they come now and then, they'll be like, hey, what's up, good, what are And they go. But mostly the whole family don't care because of that. They're like, yeah, you threw your life away because you went with some people you don't even expect it to be like us. And we all told you that it's going to end up like us, by the way, you don't have years. So I was like, I don't do it for me, I did it for my mom. So they're like, yeah, whatever. That's your life. I'm like, yeah, I know it's my own life. I'm my different. I'm my own person. I can make my own decisions. But I had to make my decision. You were also 11. Exactly. When they adopted nine. you. You were nine when they adopted nine. you. I mean, at that age, you don't have a rational train exactly. of thought. I don't, you know, also you... don't really have a, de- like a decision. I don't have any, no. I don't even have a saying that time because I'm still young. Imagine being like, yeah, I'm nine years old. I can say whatever I want and then it's going to happen. You won't, I mean, you, you're not in control of your actions really at nine years old. You know, you need people there to look after you. Exactly. To guide me also, to have guidance in my life, to of be course. my role model. Of course. But it never happened. And I think something that I haven't heard mentioned is as well is that they are massive celebrities. Yeah. You know? And with being a celebrity comes power and control because people get blinded by the fame and exactly, the money. Yeah. You know, you see these these guys, and you just assume that they've got there by doing the right things, you know, especially when, because I think a lot of controversies have come out with them in recent years, but at the beginning, everyone just saw them as these creative yeah, geniuses. creative artists. And, and they, yeah. they are, they're very good they are, at what they do. Yeah, it's just the things that happened. Like, they kept it so secretive in that, by grooming everyone, playing everyone's minds and all that. But yeah. They were pretty good at that also. And at first, when you first met them, did you, like when you first were adopted, did you feel like you were a part of their family? Yeah, I felt like I was part of their family for like, I think the first two years I felt a part of their family. And then most of it, it just happened like they did all the touring and all that. Didn't actually spend some time with them anymore. Always had their peers and all of the pairs had to take care of me. So like for me, it was like all the pairs that looked after me was like my guardians. Like they were like my parents, basically. And so, um, yeah. what was your day-to-day life like? What would you do during the day? Just go to school, come back from school, did homework, did all my chores, all that. It was pretty okay. And then like I, like I could only have also friends on weekends. That was understandable. But yeah, like I couldn't even go do like school projects that I have to do a school project with, you know, you have to do it with your classmate. If I did that, I got like, like they were like, okay, uh, you broke a rule. You, we told you not allowed to go during the week to go to a class. Like they didn't know, I told them I, I'm going to go do it for school work. But they're like, no. And then they kicked me out for like two months without having nothing, like no money, no food, no nothing. They're like, yeah, you're not allowed to have any contact with us for like two, two months that you're out. And you would live where? In Fitas. In Fitas, in your old In home. my own neighborhood by my parents' house. So I had to walk from there five o'clock in the morning to make sure I get to school at eight. So it took me like two, three and a half hours to get there. So I wake up at five, walk exactly like 10 past five, get there 22, like 20 to eight. And I'm at my school and I walk from there in the afternoon. Then I get to my house at five o'clock in the afternoon. And did you finish school? Nope. 
they said I must work for them. So I dropped out of the grade nine. So I started working for them as a personal assistant and all that as a driver and all that. Like they said, they're going to pay me 12K for all that. So I dropped out of school. Yeah. And um, did you travel a lot with them when they would go on tours or on holidays? I traveled with them like a few times. I traveled with them when they had had the... That tour of America and all that, and Amsterdam, I think like Berlin and all that, I tried to do them a lot. And then I lived in, they lived in LA. I also lived there for like four months and that, and I told him I can't because I have homesick because of my mother and my family that I have in Johannesburg. Why did they want you to go with them to LA? They said I'm going to have a better life off there. So I tried it. It was nice, it was amazing, views was nice. I met three, three friends over there. Then I just couldn't take it. I was like, nah, I miss my mom, I can't take it. I can't see my mother, anyone, my family. So they flew me back. So I stayed aside for like three years without seeing them. So you, you came back to South Africa. Yeah. And where were you living when you came back? In the house in Parkhurst. In their house? Yeah. And who were you living with? With Opez. Just au pairs? Just au pairs. It's like who would wake you up, put you to sleep? My au pair. She was like, she stayed with us. Like the au pair wouldn't go home or anything. They like love, the au pair loves me in the house, looks after me, takes me to school. Make sure I do my homework. Like make sure what the kid has to do, like get done. Make sure everything eats and does this. Yeah, that's what they did every time I was there. So yeah. And something that I, I forgot to bring up when we were talking about the music videos, like, I mean, there is a lot of nudity and violence in their videos. Yeah. Um, and they're very dark and twisted, you know, um, things that I think kids should not be associated with. Like, yeah, for real. It's not supposed I, to be seen there. Like, I respect, like, artistic license and they're very creative music videos. There's nothing like them on the internet. Yeah. But when I saw you in these videos with a lot of nudity and kind of satanic imagery and um, I mean it just doesn't seem like an environment a kid should be in. Um, were you there when they were filming the videos or would you just go to film your part and then leave? I was there while they filmed the whole videos like from the start to the end. And then whenever they done, now and then, like, there's some scenes that they had that I was there and then I was there for a whole day. So if it's my scene today, I'll be there all day. Was there a moment when you realized that, like, you were not living with normal parents, that this was not a normal Yeah, it wasn't a, ro- a normal situation, normal state that I was actually living in and all that. I was like, okay, it's like, I'm not as, I don't even get the love and support that I was supposed to be getting and all that. So I was like, it feels like I'm just here, like I was just supposed to be here. Like, okay, do this, do that, like a slave, basically. And I mean, that was something else you said, that you, you said that you were the unfoot's child slave. Yeah, I had to do whatever, I, whatever they told me to do, I had to do it. Can you tell me what they were asking you to do? Like when they asked me to like go fish for them food, like, I have to go buy food or, like, go drop things from two hours away, drive and all that. So I had to go do that. And all I have to, like, clean up wherever they dirty. I had to do whatever. They asked, made coffee in the mornings. 
What was the earliest memory that you have of you being asked to go drive somewhere, like by yourself with no license? Uh, I said I was 14. 14? Yeah. Then it was in Parkhurst, I had to go pick up a friend of mine and I had to go pick up 16 from a friend's house in the car. And then also the one, I was 13 and then I had an accident which landed in the car. And you were driving? She nope, was driving. She was driving. But yeah, we almost went right through the wall and the gate of the property we stayed in. And um, did they ever give you drugs? Uh, only shroom, mushrooms and, and weed. That's it. And how old were you when they were giving you mushrooms and weed? 13, 14. And then I was 15. I had some shrooms with them. So at 15, you had shrooms with them? Yep. That's drugs. I just want to let you know. <laughs> you're, you're making it seem like that's not drugs. Yeah, I know. That's drugs. That's um, extremely damaging for a young kid to have. Um, how did you feel when you first tried substances? I hallucinated like hell. I felt like I was dying at the moment. When I had the shrooms, I was like, what the hell is happening now? I think everything just looks like it's brighter and all. I was like, nah. And do you remember, can you tell me about the first experience? Like, where were you? What were you doing? I was in Cape Town. I was climbing the mountain on Table Mountain and we took shrooms from the bottom. So we started at the bottom, took shrooms. When we came halfway up, we were already tripping balls. So we had to turn back around because we couldn't go further up tripping balls on the shrooms. So we had to come down because it... Ninja almost fell down the mountain. I almost fell down. Everyone almost <laughs> fell down. I don't so, want to laugh. Really. So <laughs> they're like, okay, guys, we can't oh. go because everyone's tripping balls. So we have to go back. So we're like, okay, we're going back down. We went back down. And even like, before they even kicked me out, we went to like a whole family trip. We also have like almost everyone in the family took shrooms. Also on the way up to Table Mountain. And we got all the way up and we had to... Turn around when we got all the way up, we had to turn around down. <laughs> and then my sister fell almost also. She fell down, hurt her legs, and I was like, damn. So how old was your did your sister have shrooms as no, well? No, she didn't have any okay, shrooms. But she must have been like She was like, What the hell is happening? She <laughs> must have been very young at that time. Yeah, she thought probably we were all crazy because now what's going on with your friend? <laughs> and what was going on in your mind when you were on these substances? Do you remember thinking certain things? I was thinking of, like, the side of the mountain looked pretty close, though. <laughs> it looked pretty close? Yeah. And it, it was far? Close. It was very far, though. I was like, damn. Looks like I could just walk from here to the other side. I was like, okay. But I don't know anything can happen. <laughs> and did you remember thinking, like, that this was extremely... Yeah, I thought... That, that, that this was, that this was not was, normal. Yeah. I said it was normal. Because it was happening to me for, like, five hours straight. I was like... That's not normal. I went to sleep. I woke up, I was still sleeping balls. I was like, nah, this isn't normal. What happened? And <laughs> What's how happening? Did you f- how did you feel about your parents giving you drugs? Well, I feel I, was, I thought it was normal. Like, they made everything look so normal for me because I was quite, I, quite used to it. Even the movies, the latest movie they made, the gangster movie they made, I was there on set every single day. So how they use drugs and all that. So I got used to it. I was like, it's just a normal lifestyle. Because even in my community where I lived, I grew up with 
Like my mom and dad was on drugs and all that, but they made sure we ate. Like there was nothing short in my house. So if we said we want food, we have the food we need. But that's all, that was the living situation for us. Then they adopted me for that. And how often were you using substances? Every time, like three times with them, three times again, like now and then when I see them, and then I don't, and then I, whenever I say, like, whenever I ask them if I can, they say, yeah, sure, you can go have whatever. And did they ever make you commit any sort of crimes? Yeah, they said I should when I was like 13 years old or 12 years old. I had a, um, a paintball gun, an M16 Spider paintball gun. So did it look like a real gun? Yeah, um, I took off the the top, the, the holder and the, the barrel and all that. So I removed the gas panels and all that. So Ninja was like, oh, that looks real and what, what, what. And I ordered pizza already like few hours, like 30 minutes ago. And then I was like, okay, I think I have to go fetch the pizzas and that. And Ninja was like, you know what, it would be pretty funny if you go to the restaurant with, with your M16 and then see and go fetch the pizza. You go in and you tell him you're here for the pizza. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll go do that. So I took my M16, it looked like a real assault rifle at the time. So I walked all the way to the pizza restaurant. I walked in, everyone in the restaurant dived onto the floor. Like they thought I was, I'm here to shoot people or whatever. They gave me the pizza, they called the security and all that. There was like seven security buckets at my house. After that, looking for me, for the gun and all that. And then he was like, nah, it was just a choke. It was just a pain more gun and all that. They're like, hey, you don't choke like that. We're gonna, you're gonna shoot him now. Yeah, I mean, you could have got shot. Yeah, I could have got shot for a fake, for a pain more gun walking into a restaurant, like basically almost felt like I was holding up the restaurant. And did Ninja ever get into any trouble for this or? No, like he, he went out, he said he got into trouble for it, but he never got into trouble. He, he literally called me to come apologize to the security guards and they just, they just left. And that was it? Yeah, it was like a joke for him. And um, I mean, so I, I also read in one of the articles, there was a section that said allegations. So it was all of the things that you've accused them of doing. Um, and I just want to go through those quickly. Um, so th the first one was that Yolandia Ninja took you and your baby sister to a private clinic to have your blood drawn for a ritual. Yeah. I'm not sure for like they said it wasn't for rituals and all that, but like they didn't look like a hospital and all that when they took us. So like all of a sudden, like I just knew every time when we went there, they pulled blood and Ninja was like 15 minutes. He stayed 15 minutes longer inside and then he came out of the brown bag. And then in the brown bag, there was a little bottle of, like a little bottle of blood. So I was wondering why they always like taking us every time then for blood tests and then poor blood and all that. But then I heard to say that then we found that voodoo case of them in the cupboard and then I was like, oh, okay. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so in the, like they had a cupboard in, the, in their room. So like, they were very private about everything in the cupboard at the bottom. They're like, no one is supposed to go in to the bottom of the cupboard. So the maid, we had a maid that was busy cleaning up. So she cleaned, cleaned, and then she called me. She was like, hey, Toki, come here. Do you know, do you maybe know what's all those things? And then Ninja and him was living there at this time. So they're like, yeah, guys, we're not gonna live there anymore. We're all gonna move to Cape Town and all that. 
<laughs> so the maid cleaned up and she took out the boxes from the cupboard. And then when she took out the last box from the cupboard, there was like a rabbit's foot in a hole and whatever in there. And it fell out. And then she was like, check, this is a, a voodoo doll and all this. And a little, bottle, like a little bottle of blood inside there. So I was like, oh, what is this? She was like, she got sick. She had went back to her like home to like, because they have their own doctors and all that. So she came back. She was like, no, those people are, are voodoo and black magic and all that. So it's not a good thing for you to be here and all that. So she got sick when she touched the stuff in the box. Yeah. When she touched the box and everything fell out, she picked it up to put it back and she got sick. And I've I've read that I mean that they're very into rituals and I mean are they Satanists or uh, everything that I heard from friends and people in my community says they're all Satanists. They even classified me as the devil when I walked there. They're like, yeah, look, there's the devil. There's the devil walking there. And I I saw that you said that they said that you were the devil. Yeah, they made me believe that I was the devil. I could burn people in hell. Like whenever I want, I can burn you, I can take you to hell, I can send you to hell, I can do whatever. And why do you think they wanted you to think that? I'm not sure. I think they wanted me to believe that I was the devil. Because probably of the way I look, could be one of them, I'm not sure about that, but they made me believe that I was the devil. Maybe it's a kind of... I know that they, they used you to make videos and uh, call people, like prank calls, saying that you're going to hurt them and burn them and all that kind of stuff. I mean, would you think that was just part of their image? Yeah, they, they said it was all jokes and all that, but they didn't really tell me to say what actually is going on because then uh, as like the older I got, I heard to say no, but there's people that they made me prank call. Like they used to be best friends and all that. Like, they used to be friends. They used to know each other. And then they got like, they used to fight. They got into the fight and then they made me prank call them and be like, ah, this is going to be like cool. Say this and this. Like they tell me before I make events to call it like, yeah, okay, you have to say this, say this, say this. And then when I said it, and then every time when they dropped the call, they would be like, yeah, that's amazing. What, what, what? You see, you can make a perfect devil. What, what? I'm like, ah, okay, whatever. The next allegation is that... Ninja and Yolandi encouraged your baby sister to undress in front of them and join them naked in a sauna with other naked adults. Yeah, she says that they were that they had a, <coughs> a sauna in like last December. They were in there having like everyone was nude in the sauna, and they also wanted her to get nude in the sauna. And did she? No, she wouldn't do it. They didn't do it. Then they mocked her for doing it. And how old was she then? She was, I'm not, she was like 13, 12, 13 years old. So, yeah. And they would mock her for not getting naked. Exactly. When they had parties at their home, would they send you somewhere else for the night or would you attend the parties as well? Uh, no, like when I have parties at home, I was there and every time they had a party, I was at home all the time at home or I go hang out with my friend, like I had a friend that's um, Jay Savage's son and all that. So I had to go chill with him now and then some weekends. That's only if I like ask, hey, can I go to a friend's house or whatever? And they're like, yeah, cool, you can go or whatever. But mostly I was at the house when they had all the parties. 
And what did you see at these parties? So the one party we had in Freiradolp, when they had a house there, um, we only got wasted, wasted, wasted. And then I saw her naked in the room. And then she told me I have to stay there for like five to ten minutes, speak to her, come sit next to her and all that. So I was like, nope. And then she was like, hey, can you go call Ninja for me? I was like, okay, I'll go call him. And then he said I should sleep in the, lo- on the, in the lounge, so I went to sleep in the lounge. And how could you go to bed when there was so much noise in the house? I just passed out in the noise every time. So you just got used to the, the house being loud and you yeah. could still go to when sleep? Yeah, when parties, they like, okay, I, I can still go to sleep. And at these parties, I mean, would people be using a lot of drugs and... Some of them used drugs, yeah. Some of them used crystal meth and man drugs and all that, so yeah. And would you ever, I mean, would you see this happening or...? I saw a few people snort crystal meth before in front of me in their house and all that. So, yeah. And did you ever use drugs or drink at these parties? I only had like now and then, like, Yulani would come and offer me something to drink. Like glass of gin and whatever. Then I'll drink only like one glass and I'll be like, okay, this is it. And I mean, there was a, another allegation that you made that Ninja showed you a pornographic video clip that was sent to him by a girlfriend when you were 11 years old. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, what did he say to you? Did he just come up to you and go like, look here, there's no, this It's like, you want to see something dope? You want to see something cool? Or this chick sent me? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then he showed me and then I was like, Okay, well, this is not actually what I thought you were going to show me. So, yeah, actually, it also messed up my mind. I was like, okay. And then you asked me what you like it, what I was like, okay, yeah, I like it. Probably, I like it, probably, but yeah. And then he just sent me, made me make a video for her also. Be like, yeah, you must tell her that she has a great butt and all that. I was like, okay. And when you would go back home to visit your mother, um, did you act the same way that you acted with Ninja and Yolandi? Now and then, yeah. And what did she think of that? She thought I was, she said I was losing myself. She's like, you're disappointing me and all that. So I told her I'll try and become better. And then every time when I went to go visit my mom, it's like I, I, I'm, after, I'm like putting up a face. Like I have a mask that I'm wearing all the time. Like, like okay, I'm this good boy, sweet boy go out to the friend, come back, chill at my mom's house and all that. Even was like, I don't even care, like the ones when I came back, I even smoked weed in front of my mom. And I got a slap right through my face because of that. And I mean, because you thought you were the devil, you know, this is what they were telling yeah, you. Yeah, and I also told my mom then, she was like, you ain't the devil, I'll beat the devil out of you. I'm like, you have to go to church and all that. I'm like, I'll go to church. Went to church with a few friends. A few times already I told the pastor why the people were saying that I am. The pastor's like, no boy, I don't see a devil inside of you. So you're kind of living like this double life. It was like I was living a double life, like a double agent. <laughs> <laughs> double agent talkie. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is also something else that I read about was that um, you stabbed your older brother. You also mentioned this earlier, is that yeah. you stabbed your older brother with a knife in in Dianfurt's home in Joburg. Yeah, in Parkhurst, yeah. Can you tell me the whole story, how that happened? So it was actually about like nonsense things. It was about a phone in the speaker we actually fought about. 
So like, and he used to bully me all the time. So I told him before, I was like, if you beat me again, I'm going to stab you and all that. And then Shalim said like before everything, like they made me do threatening videos to my family and all that, like send them be like, yeah, you guys are poor asses. You must shit some money out of your um, assholes and all that. So yeah, since then I got used to being mean to my family. So when my brother came over, where like I went to sleep, I had my friend over. My brother came, he woke us up, and then I like he punched me once, and then I stripped my ass, and then I stabbed him three times. I almost killed him if it wasn't for the panic button that they had in the house. So he was almost dead, literally dead. So and then you, they, you stabbed him and then pressed the panic button. Yeah. And then what did you do after that? I had to run, run away, like I ran a block away and I hid in the bushes and watched how the ambulances, the cops and everyone came to my house to pick my brother up. And it was really, it gave me nightmares until today I still have now and then I have that nightmare of me stabbing my brother. And where was... Ninja and Yolandi. There was no one there. There was no adult at the time. So there was no au pairs, nothing? No one. And how old are you? I was, I think I was 16. 16 years old. Yeah. And you guys were just alone in the house? Yeah, we were alone in a home. It was me, it was my friend, it was my sister, it was my sister's friend, and it was my brother. It was only us. So my brother was the oldest. So it was us at the house at the time. And then... It happened at like three o'clock in the morning, two, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And I mean, you, so you ran and jumped over the wall and went to hit over the, the gates. Over the gates. Yeah. And I also heard that you said that you got electrocuted. <laughs> From jumping over the gate, yeah. On the electric fence. Yeah. I, I literally jumped over the gate, touched the electric fence on my back, shot, it shot my window, it fell also, also fell hard. When I got to the next corner, the security guards was already like, they're like, okay, I had to jump, literally, you know, and I jumped into the bush, the security just passed me. They're like, foo, foo. Okay, I was like, okay. I think they saw me, and then they never saw me. I was like, okay, they never saw me, so why didn't they see me, though? Because I was like, literally just running by the wall, and then I was in the bush, so they're like, looking for everyone. They even thought my brother was the suspect instead of the victim. They're like, hey, bro, where's the victim at? They're like, hey, bro, this is the victim, not a suspect. We're looking for the only, we're looking for the boy who lived here. Like, yeah, no way is he? Like, I don't know. He left. So your brother was talking to them? No, my brother couldn't speak because he was busy choking on his blood. So who was speaking to them about this? Friend. A friend. And a maid. Okay. Who was also living in the backyard. Oh, so they were living in the back at yeah. the time. So there was no one in the main house? No one in the main house. She was asleep. She was, she was asleep. She got woken up. The same, my brother got stabbed. By the cops? Yeah, and by my sister. And um, so what happened to your brother after that? How, how is he? He's in the hospital. He's good. Just have those cars that I gave him. But he went to hospital and he's fine. He went to hospital. On the way to hospital, he apparently said he almost died on the way to hospital. Like he fainted in the ambulance. So I was like, oh, I almost lost my brother for something I did. Could have went to be sitting in prison at the moment. And how did you feel inside about all of that? Heartbroken. Feel felt sad. And then they still they're like, yeah, congratulated me for all that. Who congratulated like, you? Ninja and him. They're like, I can't believe you became a man. You stood up for yourself. 
It's like, okay. So they saw that as a good thing. Yeah. Like you were becoming... The man I was supposed to become. Basically, I was supposed to maybe become Satan if they wanted to say that. It was a story for them. Like, it was like a good thing. Everyone they knew, all their friends they had, like, hey, you know what Toki did? Toki stabbed his brother. What did he actually stood up? He's a little boy. He's like, he's becoming a man now. What He stood up for himself. So, and so okay. I also saw that they made a music video about yeah, you stabbing your brother. For, please don't take me for a puss. Is that the name of the music video? Yeah. So in that video, I have to betray the bully and then Jamila stabs me. So it was supposed to be me and my brother, but I told him my brother already had this. So they asked you and your brother to recreate that scene? They didn't ask my brother. They wanted to ask my brother. So they asked me. So I was like, no, cannot. And then they're like, okay, would you like to play the role in the video with your meal and what, what, what? So I was like, okay, cool. And then they're like, okay, yes, to stab you at the end. And then they used the knife, not that plastic knives with a plate code. The plate code, it went in, but it was a real, like it was a real, basically a real knife with a real plate and all that, but the plate went in. But the point was still out. So when he stabbed me, the point literally made little holes inside of my chest. So that's where they knew to put the, the fake skin of saying, okay, you know, he got stabbed so many times exactly So you there. actually really got stabbed? So I felt, literally, I could feel that little point go inside. I was like, okay, just <laughs> lay. <laughs> They're like, okay, fine, I got it. So, yeah. And how did your brother feel when he saw that music video? Angry, he wanted to stab me back. It's like, I'm going to stab you back for this. I'm like, no, nah, please don't. And then since then, we don't have that. But whenever I speak about it, it just changes everything again. Just deja vu from all over. So your brother has like PTSD from that? Yeah. So he gets angry when I speak about it and he wants to um, beat me up or stab me or whatever because of that. But we prevent it. So we're like, okay. We want to speak about that. We're not there. We're not there. <laughs> Whatever to be doing, we avoid that situation. And was your mom around when this all happened? No, she passed away. When did she pass away? 2016. And how did that affect you? I wasn't there at the time. It made me feel like I could have been there for my mom, spending more time with her instead of like just remembering my mom like since I was a small boy. And then I had to remember my mom every, every weekend with the cancer and all that shit. So that actually messed me up a lot. And when she was sick, did you were you able to spend time with her? Yeah, or? she came over like a few weekends to my house, stayed there for a weekend or whatever. Came there, visited her there. And then the one weekend I was supposed to come to Fitas. And then when I came there, I got a missed call from my brother to say my mom passed away. So we went. And were you very close with your mom? Yeah, <laughs> really close. And how do you think she would have felt? Did, did she know about all of the things that were going on? Yeah, she was disappointed. She just didn't know what to do about it. Exactly. Even when I got the first tattoo of the little cross that Ninja gave me, um, I went to cover it up, though, but it's even so worse. I need to go cover it up again. <laughs> and so he but, gave you yeah. a tattoo? Yeah. How old were you when you got the tattoo? 13 years old. You were 13 years old when Ninja gave you a tattoo? Yeah. 
in a hotel room. <laughs> what about the stick and poke or? Yeah, and poke. 13. Yep. Like I got a tattoo when I was 15, but I used the, an ID and like no parental guardians knew about it. The fact that he was your guardian. He gave me the tattoo. And he gave you the tattoo. <laughs> he wanted me to first get a devil, like a proper picture of a devil on me. So I was like, no, I'm going to choose the little cross. <laughs> and I'm sure at your age, like at such a young age, that must have been incredibly painful. I watch TV, so I don't really feel it. Only after it's like, oh, check your tattoo. And so I was like, okay. Because it's like, that felt like a sting, like a little sting the whole time. But it wasn't that so because I was focusing my mind on the TV instead of on what he was doing. I heard in another interview that you did that you went to a training camp to learn how to use guns for a role in a movie. Yeah. And uh, I also heard that there was real gangsters from Cape Town in this movie and that they were also learning how to use these weapons at the camp. Exactly. So you went to a camp to train for a movie, how to use guns. At that camp, there was real gangsters with you also learning how to use exactly. these guns. Exactly, learning the safety of rifles, grenade launchers and all that. Like we all had, like the, like we had, all had all the rules, like, okay, this is how you use it, this is how you shoot it. This is how you're supposed to walk with a gun. This is like all the safety things about having a gun around people and all that. We once had a, a, like, there was one, there was a day in the camp, like, where they're like, okay, this is now where you can see if you can shoot someone, but by not shooting the person. So, like, it looks like in the, mo like in the movies you're going to shoot someone, like, you get shot, but instead they just shoot past your face. So it looks like in the camera, it looks like they're actually shooting you in the face, but it shoots past your face. So your eardrum starts singing after that. So, like, they shot past my head. Whilst everyone said, like, I'm gonna shoot you past your head, you shoot me past my head. To see, it's like, it's, it's like with blanks. I mean, like, okay, you trust me. You know, like, okay, you trust me and then trust you, but most of them are like real murderers. So I was like, nah, I don't trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so you had real gangsters holding guns next to your head? Yeah, they all, we all had, like, we all had to do that by the one, like, by the last day of the camp. So we like, everyone knows how to use the gun, shoot in the movie and all that. So we had to like practice, they had to let to that one day to make sure that we know the gun safety, we know exactly how far the plank spreads, the metal in the gun spreads. So, yeah. And did anyone get injured or did- No one got injured. No one got injured. Because they had like, it was like a professional um, safety guys that had the guns and all that. And how old were you? I was, I was like, yeah. Uh, 18. You're 18, okay. No, 17, yeah. 17, about to turn 18. And who were these gangsters that you were forming with? The American. The American gangs? Yeah. The same day, like two of the gangsters that was on the camp, they got arrested for hijacking the Uber. How long were you at the camp for again? We were there for like three months. Three to four months on the camp. And what movie was this for? For the gangster movie they made, it's the 27, the Blonde Van Sukwana. It was supposed to be a fully gangster movie of Ninja and them, basically of Ninja being the gang lord, like being the gangster's most, like the most furious gang, but actually not. And is this movie out? It's not coming out. 
It's not getting released. And as far as I know, it's not getting released. Do you know why? Uh, because of the child violence and the gangsterism in the movie. I mean, because they were using real gang members. Exactly. And young kids. It's just And drugs and all that, so yeah. And I also heard that they, and I don't know if this is true, but that they were paying people in drugs. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but most, I think most of the people, like the gangsters were fighting about the money they were getting. That's what I know about it, because they all got different paychecks. So like the one got paid more than the other one, and the other one got more than the other one, so they start shooting at each other. So they start like, making shit for each other in the gang. So there were, was this outside of the camp? Yeah, this was after the camp and all that. That's like after we made a movie and all that. Okay, so they, they, they were all kind of, because they probably all got paid very different amounts and they probably felt like they had been kind of done, exactly, done over. Exactly, yeah, like, yeah, yeah you, why, what makes you better than me? You might be from the same camp. No, you're so much better gangster than me. No, no, no. But we run together, we work together, we do everything together. Now you're like better than me getting paid more than me and whatever, but it's not like that. They all look at each other, but now they started like getting that hate for each other. Be like, okay, you're getting more than me? Okay, I'm gonna take half of yours, so I'm gonna take all of yours. It's like that, that's how they work there. But most of the gangsters use drugs and all that, on set and all that. I mean, it must have been crazy to see real gangsters holding guns, using drugs, like this is like summer camp from hell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was hectic though. It sounds hectic. And um, one of the gangsters was Anis. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about him? He, he was, was in the music video Cookie Thumper. Yeah, he was a cool gangster. He was right. He was like the one that I always like, that I always have to go visit in Mitchell's plane and all that. He's the one who showed me around the gangerism and showed me to be like, okay, this is who's this in the gang, who's that in the gang. You're supposed to not mess with what you're not supposed to, which area you're not supposed to go to, where you're not supposed to walk. And then since because I was chilling with Anis and them, they also thought like, okay, this guy is also probably one of the gangsters of the Americans. So there was like one street that, that the people didn't like me at all in, in his community. So I wasn't allowed to go to the shop over there. So they said, like, okay, if you want to go to the shop, you have to go to the garage instead of going to that shop. So I was like, okay. So yeah, he was kind of cool. And Yolanda also had like a relationship with him, so. A sexual relationship? Yeah. Um, I heard that he was a vicious gangster. Yeah, he was a- He was a killer. He was a killer, a proper killer. He went made me shot his gun twice. So he made you shoot his gun? Yeah. Where and why? <laughs> in Mitchell's plane, on the field. On the fields? Yeah. Like in the, in the quarters where kind of everyone yeah. walks? On the field, like normal soccer field, we went to the soccer field, I shot two pops and then came back. It's like, okay, you have to put a gun back under the stove where I had it. So I had to go put it back. And um, I mean, how old were you when you first, when you first started going to visit him? I was like 12. You were 12? Yeah. And were you there? So you were in the, in Mitchell's plane in the Cape Flats at 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and were you by yourself? Now and then. I was with him, or I was with Ninja and him, or I was with the Yolandi's friend. That's... Just hanging out. Hanging out. And I, I also heard that you would go drive there just to hang out with him and... Yeah, we used to take the car, go drive out, go chill, 
whatever I have a pretty like have just have a smoke with him like as weed joint whatever and then come back chill for the day hang out to the people see what happens and then come back because I don't really have friends I had other friends also named Josh but I was not allowed to because they apparently they say that he wanted to sexually assault 16 and all that but they don't actually like him 16 was Ninjanulandi's kid yeah their daughter their daughter um I mean, and about a niece. So he had a relationship with Yolandi. Yeah. And um, how did that turn out? Like, how did that end? Probably, they don't, like, they used to fight also now and then, and then, like, they don't speak to each other for a long time and all that. But their relationship was kind of, it was, like, how I saw it was, like, it was going well. It was okay and all that. They never, like, they never physically fight, to anything. By the one room, like the one night I had to go drop off Yolandi's credit card by the room. And then they both were like, Anis came out of the shower and she was also, she literally just had a towel around her. And he came out to no towel. I was like, okay. Turned around and then I just went back to the car. I was like, nah. And then me and Ninja went to his hotel room. So they had an open relationship, obviously. Yeah. And uh, so Ninja was also sleeping with other people. Yeah, he also had his own girlfriends. He, she had her own boyfriends. So, yeah. This <laughs> this sounds like it can't be real, you know. This is like, it's such a, just, you know, because I've known about Dianford for so long. I know, it's shocking. <laughs> it's shocking, bro. <laughs> and like, there was uh, there was other allegations that they sex trafficked someone. Ooh, Johnny. Johnny, yeah. Yeah. Was that true? No, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the videos he showed me. Of. It was of Johnny. So it was Johnny in the videos that he showed you when you were yeah. 11 years old. And do you know the story of how that happened? And I don't know the full, full story, but I met her a few times when she came down to Choburg. When she came down. And was that when they sex trafficked her? Yeah. That's when they said that's when it happened. And do you know what they were using her for? I mean, obviously. I'm not sure. Because I only met her like twice. When like we chilled with her twice. And then like they were Ninja and them were just going on their own way. She and Ninja was like, had a, like had their own place to stay and all that. So I, I stayed with Chilani in the house. And then now and then she also goes out to a hotel. Or a place she stays, and then I'm with the pairs at the house. And just just coming towards the end, I want to know, um, I mean, why did you stop living with them? Was it your decision, or did they just abandon you? It was because of that car accident I had on the N2 in Cape Town. So they classified a car accident as a hit and run on the N2 and... Um, I wrote off the car and all that, and then it was on my 18th birthday. So I had a ghost, I had a girlfriend, so she said she got robbed in the airport, and no one believed her and all that, and I also said, I uh, can't get robbed in the airport and all that. So like, they, they gave me an option to be like, um, you have to go lay low in Johannesburg until all this, this whole accident thing cools down, and then you can come back. So when I came back to Joburg, they also came back, they had that interview, they posted of me and them, the family gathering. 
you know, that. And then they told us. It was like a say, reunion. Yeah, it was like a family reunion thing. That was like the last I ever saw them. They're like, we don't ever want to see you again then. Like, it's done, done. Do you know why they did that? I'm not sure why they did it, but that's the last I spoke to them. And they also threatened me after off camera. So. What did he say to you off camera? He said like that I mustn't ever threaten them ever or even go to social media or wherever because you'll just have a straight face and be like, you're lying. Whatever, they said, whatever I do, I won't be able to pull the lion's tail to make the lion bite back. But apparently I already pulled the lion's tail and it put back by saying all the accusations that I said and everything is fake, it's a lie, it's this and this, but he knows the truth. And also God also knows the truth, so we shall see who knows the truth, who's going to go and who's not going to go. So he threatened you, if you speak out, they'll... Yeah, they'll maybe get a hitman or they'll get rid of me or they'll hurt me in some way that I wasn't hurt before or something like that. And now that you have spoken out, um, are you scared? I was scared, I was lost scared and all that, but like I have people that I know that said I shouldn't be scared because if they ever do anything like that, they'll exactly know who it was and whatever, and they know the situation. So it's like I am scared because it can be one of my own friends they could probably send because they say everyone says money talk. If you have billions of rands, millions of rands, you can buy anyone over. So... It's hectic. And I mean, do they support you at all financially now? Nope, not at all. I don't even have contact with them. Nothing. Completely nothing. It's like I'm in a coast. I'm out, 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 out. So how do you support yourself at the moment? I have to hustle. Keep my hustle up wherever I get a job, wherever I can get some to make some money. Whatever. Even now and then helping my friends recycle bottles, boxes, and all that. So whatever I can do, I just do it. And um, are you also helping your family members? Yeah, I'm helping my brother and my sister. And now and then help my sister. But like I said, she's in a good place. She is now. She's, she's staying with the foster family? Yeah, she's staying with au pairs. With au pairs? Yeah. Who's people, au pairs? My, also, they also used to be my au pairs. But they're appearing my sister now. And who do they work for? Ninja. So she's still kind of with them? Yeah. And she's you- still kind of with them because I'm not sure about what's happening between them anymore or whatever because that family speaks to them now and then, but they don't really speak to me that much anymore. So it's like I'm also becoming a ghost to them. But... So- it's life. This has really torn apart your whole family. Yeah, torn apart everything I have. So I have to start all over. See where I can come right, where I can pull, instead of where it got broken down, trying to fix it up. But it's hard. Just to end off, I want to know, what does the future hold for you? What do you want to do from here on out, now that you kind of have your own independence again? I want to just do my own thing, like my own acting and all that. But the only thing that I showed is like 
like some proper acting lessons and all that to become the actor I wanted to become. And I also wanted to become a model though. But I guess wherever I can find an agency or whatever, I'm going to take it or whatever and see where it goes. But for now, I have to hustle and see what I have to get, where I get. So the hustling has got me going. And do you plan on taking any sort of legal action against Dianfort? If I have to, I am going to. Because I'm not going to let it just go, let it slide. Because it might be there's a lot of other people or kids out there that also probably went through the same thing, almost the same thing. So I just also want to stand up for all those kids also, be like, you're not alone, we're all there. We all went through different things, but we have to stay strong. Be us, we are the unique people. So yeah, survivors. And because I'm sure that Dion Ford is probably going to see this. Yeah, I'm also sure they're going to see this. They're probably going to have a reaction on it. That's what I know. If they do, if they don't, either way, they are going to see and watch. And is there anything that you want to say to them? Nah, it's just wherever I am, here where I am, I'm much happier off where I am because I was supposed to be here long ago, time when my mom was still alive. So yeah, I'm getting there. Becoming my own person, yeah. Amazing. Becoming the better man I was supposed to be. Amazing, man. And just want to say thank you so much. I think it's incredibly brave for you to speak out because this sounds like it's been years of just kind of trauma. Yeah, packing up. <laughs> I want to make myself kill myself a few times already, but I don't get there. I get to the point that I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump off the bridge or whatever. I'm like, nah. What about my family? What about my sister and my brother? That's the only people that I actually care about. So... I just don't do it. I'm like, okay, I go home, take some sleeping pills and sleep. Be like, okay, I'm out, sleep. Don't go out for the whole day, whole month even. Just sit, be depressed, be myself. Be like, okay, I have to think about something. Be, okay, get out myself. That's why I always go out with my friends, keep myself happy, speak to my brother. If I, tell, if I feel like I'm gonna, feel like I wanna commit suicide, I go to my brother, speak to him. And he just tells me, bro, don't ever do that shit, I'm here. So he's the one in him keeping me there, keeping the strings attached. And how long have you been feeling suicidal and having these thoughts? Long, since I left there and all that. I had it for long, even since the age of 15. I had it. But even since I think, yeah, before my birthday, even I felt like having one. So I was like, nah, I'm not. I'm stronger than this. So I'm just surviving, being the strongest person I can be. So, yeah. And just know that I'm sure that you have some good friends around you and yeah, your brother perfect to friends, lean on. Yeah, they're all there for me. They care, all lovable people also. They're I'm also, yeah, I know we've just yeah. met, but <laughs> if you ever feel like reaching out, you want to do something together, you need help with something, or you want to um, just talk, you know, just give me a call. Yeah, sure. Anytime. <laughs> awesome. And um, Toki has, uh, so Gabriel, <laughs> has a um, PayPal link in on his Instagram. Instagram. But I'm just going to have to change it because I had a problem with my last 
on PayPal. We'll make sure that it's changed by the time this comes out. Yeah, it will be there for <laughs> So if you want to go and show him any sort of support, go ahead over to his Instagram. It's right over here. <laughs> so go ahead over to his Instagram and uh, yeah, just uh, make a donation if you can. But anyway, thank you so much for coming on once thank again. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wide Awake Podcast. Yeah, we're in Joburg. <laughs> we had to bring the whole set here. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a one-man army. You should have seen me walking through the airport with all my luggage. I was like, <laughs> my back's actually sore. Um, but anyway, yeah. thanks for watching and I'll see you all very soon. Cheers. Cheers.